Odyssey celebrates Father's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. I met a guy recently who told me that he spends roughly $250,000 a month. I talked to another person recently who made $50 million at the age of 30. What do you do with that money? How do you spend it? How do you not spend it? What do you invest in? If you meet a rich person, these are questions everyone wants to know, but you're too embarrassed to ask. That's the whole premise of MoneyWise. We talk to real people who have made a significant amount of money, and we ask them all about their finances. My name's Sam Parr, and the podcast is called MoneyWise. That's one word, MoneyWise. You can find MoneyWise wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, of course. Of course I want to stay. To be honest, bro, I'll be trying to like, you know, with all the talk, it's, it's hard to, you know, I guess kind of just boom being one place, but I can't see myself playing in another place. But if it was up to me, I would want to stay in Chicago. I love right. the city. The city's lit. The the fans there, you know, they're great mm-hmm. and the people. But um, it's a business. I ain't got no control over it. So whatever right. happens, happens. Molly and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, that's the voice of Justin Fields. Had a sit down, a very casual conversation with the St. Brown brothers on their podcast. Equinemius, of course, a receiver with the Bears. Uh, a good blocking receiver. Mm-hmm. Nah, okay. And uh, and uh, his brother, Amon Ra, a, uh, a, a Pro Bowl receiver catching the ball. Pro Bowl caliber. I don't well, think he, he made, made the Pro Bowl, not this year, but last, last year. Last year, yeah. Once you make it, you You're get that designation. Forever. Well, they, he was they will a introduce Pro Bowl him, player. They will introduce him in 20 years as a – Pro Bowl receiver from Former the Detroit Pro Lions. Bowl player. Yeah. Yeah. I think Justin Fields talked like a guy that was frustrated by the speculation, understandably. And we heard a lot about how it, it, it was talking almost in the past tense, you know, with a sense of sure. uh, regret or remorse or just disappointment about where this is headed. And I think everybody kind of senses where this is headed. He was honest and he was open. I, I thought it was very interesting to hear him talk about wanting to watch film, wanting to spend this offseason studying tape. That's what he usually does right now. Maybe he does it on vacation. I don't know. But it wasn't like, all right, how are you going to make Shane Waldron's offense better in the way that you didn't make Luke Getze's? Or how will Shane Waldron help you in a way that Luke Getze couldn't? No, none of that stuff. And I don't think he could even answer that. Shane Waldron, by the way, will be introduced today, I believe it's noon, yes. at uh, Alice Hall. He will have his first uh, news conference, introductory press conference, the new Bears offensive coordinator. They're going to introduce the defensive coordinator. Eric Washington Eric as Washington. well. Yes. But Eric Washington, I, I mean, God bless him, but, uh, you know, it, it is it is the uh, Matt Eberflus defense, right? Matt Eberflus presumably will keep calling the plays because that's how he saved his job. Um, so I'm guessing. But we he, want to hear from Waldron. He won't be as influential. No, we do want to hear from Shane Waldron. Yes, and what do we want to hear? We want to we want to hear him. Well, here's the thing: they have yet. They claim next week they're going to reveal the quarterback plan. And, you know, that's kind they of They didn't claim that. Albert Breer claimed well, that. Well, he said they haven't made their plan yet. I don't think they reveal anything. Okay. I, that's fair. Uh, but there will be a lot of rumors next week about trade talk yeah. and Justin Fields, et cetera. Um, and there will be an indication that they're going to draft one. That'll happen at the Combine. There'll be all sorts of rumors because people will be talking. Of course. 
Um, but I don't know that Shane Waldron today will be very interesting because I don't think he can pick a lane on on whether or not you draft one or you you bring. So why are you putting back. him out there? Well, I think it's time for him to be introduced. Why? Um, well, because he's been hired and he's ready to go. He can't let's, pick a lane, though. Well, he can't pick I'm a lane. I'm being devil's advocate here, but I think okay, I, but I, I, I'm, I'm happy to why. I'm happy to talk about it. Um, I think they want to get that portion of the program over with so he's not at the, the combine with every reporter from Chicago stopping him every time he moves anywhere and asking him questions about Justin Fields. I think they want to get it on record. Here's what he thinks of Fields. Oh, we can do this and we can do that. It all may be empty and hollow, but I think he'll answer those questions. And with a new quarterback, here's how we go about developing it. Here's what we do. I think that is a two-pronged process. Sure. He knew that when he took the job. He'll be ready to answer questions on either side. I just think half of it's going to be meaningless information. Today's more about style than substance. Sure. How does he communicate? What do you think of his personality? Does he have charisma? Can he command a room? Because what you're going to get in the way of substance is very little. Because the first question that he's going to face, I think if everybody in that room does his, does his and her job very well, is going to be when you were interviewing for this job, did what you ask you the to- questions, yes. which quarterback am I going to be yes. coaching? Yes. What and were it, you told about the quarterback plan? And if he says no, yep. I did not ask about it. That's inconceivable. No, it's inconceivable. That's not believable. Yep. And that's going to undercut his credibility a little bit. But I think he can make a positive impression without getting too detailed. I don't think he has to necessarily pick a will, lane. Will he wear a leather jacket? No. How will he be decked out? That's a Waldron deck joke. <laughs> How does See he feel about the Bears potentially building a stadium and wrecking his parking lot and garage? The Waldron deck is a parking. It's, it's, it's what the Shane they Waldron call deck. the closest I park at the Shane Waldron deck every yes, home game. Yes, I, I think it's a fine place to I, park. I think it's fun to just make fun of Waldron deck because it is coming down, apparently. It is they, coming down. When they build it. And his place. offense may be crumbling, too. Who knows? Maybe it'll stay up. I don't know. Maybe maybe the, the, the new Soldier Field, they'll find some other purpose for it. Who knows? I think maybe it could serve as a conduit to the 78, maybe an underground uh, path. Will there the be? Wal- that's a good question. From the Shane Waldron deck. Do you imagine some light rail system coming in to connect the Bears to the White Sox with the new building? <laughs> Did you bring those plans from Seattle because they have quite a good public transit system there? Ugh. A lot of things you could ask Shane Waldron today. I yes. don't think that'll come up. No, that won't. Come I, up. I think I want to know about his philosophy. I think I want to know how much autonomy he had. Yes. In. Seattle and how that will translate in Chicago. I don't know if we're going to get those answers today. Pete Carroll is a defensive coach, so I would imagine that he had a lot of uh, he had a lot of leeway and he was able to run his own system and all of that. I I don't think there was a ton of interference. No, you know, I agree with that. Defensive minded coach likes like to run the football. That's what we're going to hear today. That's what we're going to. Yes, you're going to hear him lean into this idea where we talk about identity all the time. I think Shane Waldron is going to want to make this Mm -hmm. message clear, regardless of who the quarterback is. I'm coaching and calling plays for. We are going to be a run first team. We're going to be a run oriented team because when you get in the NFC North, when you play in Chicago, you've got to do something well, and that is what we're going to do well every month of the season, especially in December when things get kind of dicey here. Who do you believe the Bears are chasing in the NFC North? Oh, the Lions. The Lions are the team yes. that they're chasing. Look at the roster. 
Okay. Even though you may have doubts about Dan Campbell, you don't have doubts about that roster. Jared Goff is good enough to play the position and to get the most out of his talent. That is the most talented roster in the NFC North. You worry about the Packers too, not as much as the Lions. What if I said to you that I think the Packers are a bigger problem than the Lions? I would scoff. Okay. Well, I, I can Pishaw. tell you I can tell you why. Pishaw, Molly. I, I believe that and, and I don't know if this will be a Caleb Williams issue if indeed the Bears go with a rookie quarterback. But I believe that Justin Fields, when he's leading the Bears, he seems to it seems like a mu- a much better matchup for him, the Lions, than the Packers. The Bears, you know, played the Lions in a very close game that they should have won and they lost, and then they came back and they beat them. And they split with the Lions this year. They play well against the Lions, whether that's fields or whether that's whatever their game plan is. The two teams coaching. match up a lot better than the Bears match up against the Packers. The Bears were not close to the Packers in the opener. I know. Which is that means nothing. We all know none of that matters. It was different teams meeting up. But the Bears weren't close to them in the finale. I know. And I, that is a bigger problem I, to me than how they played the the uh, the Detroit Lions for whatever I, reason. And I'll say this. The Bears, as their offense uh, last year, didn't match up well against the Vikings. The Vikings are one of those teams that, that uh, you know, with, with, uh, with the coach up there running that defense, uh, Brian Flores, they came after the quarterback. They did different things. The Bears struggled more. I would say they struggled more, number one, with Green Bay, number two, with the Vikings, and number three, the Lions. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think the Lions had a bad game plan against Justin Fields, and he took advantage of that. Because you promised they, to scoff. Why aren't you scoffing? I, I'm, wait, give me time. There's plenty of time left to scoff. <laughs> I'm getting to my scoff. I, I, I think when you talk about the Packers, they played the Bears pretty intelligently defensively, yeah. and yeah. Justin Fields did not quite have it. As much as, and there may be other reasons, and I'm not going to take anything away from Kenny the Packers. Clark is a big reason. Kenny Clark in is the a big reason in the middle, yeah. and the, the Bears have had a deficiency at center that hopefully they'll address this offseason. I think the Lions, to me, though, it wasn't a matter of of talent; it was a matter of of coaching, and I think that they did not play intelligently against the Bears, and and the Fields took advantage. I think when you ask the question in the offseason. It's less about scheme and more about skill as far as what the disparity is and how wide it is. And the gap between the Bears and the Lions, to me, is wider than the Bears and the Packers because of that. Because, yeah, all the Packers have all those first-round draft picks and defense, and they have Jordan Love, and he's probably got a higher ceiling than Jared Goff. I think now we can conclude that. But I also believe that the Lions have quality depth at more important positions, and that's going to be a, a harder thing to overcome from the Bears' perspective, I think the Vikings are definitely catchable. Who's going to play quarterback? Maybe, maybe you steal Daniel Hunter from them in free agency. That Weakens them, great. strengthens you. That'd be great. So I think you could pass great them, play. but I, but I just don't think that the Lions and the Packers are there for the taking in 2024 unless things change dramatically. Yeah, I, I, um, I would say that when you, um, when you look at again the Bears trying to get better. That would be a really good way of doing it, you know, damaging an opponent, getting yourself better. I also wonder 
when you start talking about the the division. Um, you know, to me, Jared Goff, I, I got to be careful how I say this. He's not a young guy reaching a certain level. I think he's kind of as good as he's going to be. I don't see Jared Goff getting significantly better moving forward. I think he's more of a finished product. I think we don't know what Jordan Love is yet, but it's trending really well. And he looks, he looks like good. he, he, yeah, he, he looks, looks like a finished product. Well, he looks like he fits into that tradition. He looks of like he's Green next Bay quarterbacks. Yeah. He does. And I think that with the Bears, I don't know how to feel about where where um, Justin Fields is moving forward or about Caleb Williams. Again, I think that I probably would prefer to see Caleb Williams and and the possibilities there and the rookie contract there. But I can understand why so many people have fallen in love with the wow plays that Justin Fields can give you. Can't grade the flashes. Right. You can't grade the flashes. And I think overall the consistency issue is one that is going to be the you know, reason enough to justify trading Justin Fields wherever the market is created or exists or whatever teams may want him. He was very candid on the podcast yesterday. He said some other things I know you want to get to. He said some things about the Lions specifically that you thought stood out. Yeah, let, let's take a listen. I mean, you know, listen, the the fact of the matter is, you know, they asked him about the t- the hits he's taking and, and the late hits in particular, and here's what he said specifically about the Lions in that regard. Yeah, I flopped my rookie year, but then I stopped flopping, but – Bro, I would go up to the rest before the game this past year and be like, yo, like, just so you know, especially playing y'all, Amara, especially playing y'all, because I know What's y'all play Buddha. Why does everyone say playing us? Like, bro, bro, dirty, y'all, how I do mean, we play different? Y'all y'all play harder than most teams. Like, I will say that. Y'all play harder and through the whistle. And um, y'all y'all got some dirty players on your team. I'm not going to cap. Bro, no, we don't. Who's dirty? Who is dirty? Anzalone, bro. 34 is not dirty. Anzalone, bro. He be doing a little bit too much extra stuff for me, dog. He just plays hard. We just, that's how we're taught. We're gritty. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. But all the extra stuff, like, I'm cool with that. Like, tackle me, boom. All right, get up. Now, I like that stuff because I think that's true. I, I like that. You know, echo Alex of the whistle. Anzalone. Yes. Yes. He plays to the echo of the whistle hey, you know, and afterward. But yes. Yes. He's and a little I thought bit. Fields a couple times took some bad hits, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from him on the sideline one time, I, as I recall, but a couple of different times. That, you know, echo of the whistle, whatever. It's cheap shot stuff. And I think that Detroit's not beyond that, and I think he's telling the truth. Not beyond that. They're almost encouraged to oh, live that they, way. That's how they, they want to play. They play like their hair's on fire. Yeah. He's got a lot of hair, yeah. and he plays like it's on fire, and he does cross the line. Yes. And I think that's a – I love that he called him out. Yeah, I do too. I wish that he was going to return to play against oh, well, the Lions the, for the Bears in some well, ways because that would maybe spice that up even more. See now you now you're uh, now you're talking. Let's try Henry. Henry's in Rockford. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Hey Henry. Oh Henry. Oh Henry. What a surprise. Henry. Did we lose Henry? Oh Henry. I'm told that Henry's there. Andre's on the road. Hey Andre. Hey. Good morning, fellas. Morning. How are you? Um, great. Yeah, I was listening to you talk about, you know, how the Detroit defense and they, they all stacked and stuff. 
But wouldn't you think that it would make sense to not trade Justin Fields and get a boatload of picks? Like, I do a mock draft every morning. Mm-hmm. And when I'm done drafting in seven rounds, I have about 17 picks. Like, come on now. It's just like the Bears always – they always going backwards instead of forwards. Like, every morning? Why do you – Every morning I do a draft. Andre's serious, yeah. That's commitment. Well, you know, here's the thing. I I mean, honestly, I don't think there's room for 17 players. I don't think you need that many this year going in. I think it's quality over quantity at this point. I I, I think you need, you know, I mean, look, you need like the best player on the board. You need the best player on the board. I'm going through two first-round picks in the top ten. I think, you know, eventually you're going to need a center. Eventually, you're going to need a safety. Those aren't my top two picks, but those are guys you're going to need later on in the draft because you're going to need starters at those two positions because you just cut $23 million worth of salary uh, to get guys like that. I think you're going to need a a punter in like the sixth or seventh round. I know you're giving me the skunk guy. I'm just telling you. I didn't give you a skunk guy. You gave guy. me the skunk guy. I didn't even squash. Whenever I mention I stuff like Peshaw. that, you, you know, you're like, you're, you're always like, you're a Mr. Punter. You need to keep running the ball and knocking guys down. Is that my voice? You'll never punt. Is that my voice? The old never punt okay. haw. All right, never punt. I, I'm, I'm just saying, I, I under, I'm just saying there are specialists out there. there yes. These, these are late round, end of the draft type things that you can take care of. There, there, you, there are certain things that you got to have on a football team, whether you like it or not, and they got a kicker, they need a punter. I, I think it's a valid point. I'm not going to make fun of it or make light of it at all. I want to get back to the mock draft idea and the every day the hall. <laughs> that's, that's something else. But the the proposed hall we refer to all the time as a hall the Bears could get for this number one overall pick. And I ask you this to consider every time you hear that. Think of it this way, and we've been talking about this since. For beginning of the offseason, which was over a month now, do you think that the proposed halt, whether it's the Giants package or the Commanders package or even the one that Ryan Poles took last year to get in this position now, do you think that the Houston Texans would take that for C.J. Stroud? Do you Not think now. that the Bengals would take no. that for Joe Burrow? Not a chance. Do you think the Jaguars would take that oh. for Trevor Lawrence? No, you've got to get that position you correct. You've got to stay you've with the quarterback. Get, and you know what? You've got to get that position with the best guy you can have. You can't. You you know, you want the best player in the league. You want the best it's quarterback in the league. It's about quality, not quantity. I, I, totally true. That's where you have to make an, an asterisk to whatever logic you apply to whatever argument you want to make. It's quality when it comes to the quarterback position, who, who not you, quantity. Who do you think is doing more mock drafts, the Bears or Andre? Andre. Let's, Henry's back. We got Henry back. Oh, oh Henry, thank, thank God, you. Henry. We were worried about you. You okay, buddy? Can you hear me? Oh, there he is. We got you. Uh, hey, Henry. All right. Look, look, guys. Okay. I, I, I'm, the thing of it is, I hate the way that Justin Field is being perceived if he's going to – leave Chicago because I'm a huge Bear fan and I grew up in the era of James Harris, Vince Evans, Joe Gilliam, and Doug Williams. And I know what the NFL has put on the doubt. Even with C.J. Straub, they doubted him because of all of of his upbringing when he came into the league. There wasn't a big clamor about C.J. Straub coming into the league. 
I don't but, know what you're getting at, Henry. What 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 are you saying about the Justin I, Fields? Are you are you implying there's like a racist type of view of the way that Fields plays? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. I'm not implying that. I'm saying you can't take the bad out of the good, and we know that the legacy of the NFL has been a casting a doubt on on, on the, uh, black quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. I'm sorry, this has nothing to do with his no, race no. Or, I I, I find I see I find this a fascinating subject, and and I'll tell you why because I think what what Henry is saying, and I think that it's kind of um, you hear this sometimes like when we talk about Caleb Williams, who is African American, replacing Justin Fields, an African American quarterback. For some reason, there the 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 pushback is that that Justin Fields, because his skill set is different than most NFL quarterbacks right now, the Bears somehow haven't figured out a way to use what he does, his his extraordinary athletic ability to take advantage of of him as a player. So replacing him with a guy that might be a better passer, a more accurate thrower, is not what it, – it's like – it's almost like you look at, like, Pearl Monroe and the way that he played basketball, and he had this flash, and it was extraordinary, and and yet they wanted him to play within a system and don't show me the flat – don't do this, play more like a standard – it's like the old Michael Jordan skit on Saturday Night Live – where he, you know, he's whatever Sweet River Baines, and he's dunking the ball from all over the place, and they're like, "What are you doing? Like, you got to stand out here and take a set shot." That seems to be some of the pushback on Justin Fields for whatever reason that that it is some kind of you know misunderstanding of what his skill set is and trying to make him into a player that is more like traditional quarterbacks in the NFL. I'll address it when we come back. We okay. got a break. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Hall on the score. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. I met a guy recently who told me that he spends roughly $250,000 a month. I talked to another person recently who made $50 million at the age of 30. What do you do with that money? How do you spend it? How do you not spend it? What do you invest in? If you meet a rich person, these are questions everyone wants to know, but you're too embarrassed to ask. That's the whole premise of MoneyWise. We talk to real people who have made a significant amount of money, and we ask them all about their finances. My name's Sam Parr, and the podcast is called MoneyWise. That's one word, money wise. You can find MoneyWise wherever you get your podcast. I think they just came out with the... I think he had like 830 yards rushing, and I had like 650. But I missed, what, four games this year, so I probably would have had him beat on the rushing yard, so... I'll say me in that that category. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. That is Justin Fields talking to the St. Brown brothers on their podcast and um, and telling you he thinks he's the best running quarterback in the NFL, and that includes uh, the MVP, two-time MVP Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I'd agree with them. I, I would agree with them, and I think that – relates to what we were talking about before the break. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think, you know, it's, it's a fair uh, point of view, and I think it's to be considered in the, in the broader conversation about Justin Fields and how black quarterbacks are treated in today's 
NFL and how the evolution of the position has, has changed dramatically. But I, I don't think that, at least from my standpoint, the evaluation of Justin Fields, the projection of what he is and isn't as a quarterback, it just has never been about race. And, and I almost find myself, you, know, you have to make sure that we're all very conscious and aware of any stereotypes that may seep into our thinking, and you don't want to do that. It's dangerous and lazy. So you always are constantly checking yourself. So I don't want to come off as defensive in explaining this, but I just think that when you look at Justin Fields, as we just heard from him himself, the player himself, he is a special runner as a quarterback. But as a quarterback who is a special runner, he's a spotty passer. He is not the kind of passer in today's NFL that gets the ball to the receivers in time on time. He's not the kind of guy that has proven yet that he can rally a team in the fourth quarter if you need 10 points in four minutes. He's just not that guy after three seasons as a starter. I don't think that's race-based. Race I don't think that's having to do with the evolution of black quarterbacks. I think that he's had limitations imposed by the coaching staff, some by himself. That's just who he is. That's more related to his ability than his race. And I think that this, the perception of Justin Fields is that he is a difference-making, history-making, running quarterback. And it's not that off-base to think or agree with that because he believes it himself. If he's calling himself the best running quarterback in the NFL, who are we to argue with that? And if he is indeed that guy then you have a challenge as a coaching staff to lean into that as much as you can. The Bears have not done a good job of that, but that is who he is. I don't know what that means moving forward. He could be a starting NFL quarterback with those, that skill set. I just don't think that it's that skill set that's going to keep him in Chicago, and it's the smartest thing for the Bears to lean into now. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I got to tell you, I think that um... – I think he is a great running quarterback. I think it's extraordinary, and those wild plays are unbelievable. And, you know, we didn't see it as much last year, but the year before when they had nothing but him and he could run 90 yards down the field. And you can't do that in the NFL. (laughs) Like, you're just not – there are too many great players. There's too much speed. There's too many – you know, the the one where where Komet had to, like, jump out of the way, like, don't get in the way – it was unbelievable, and they really sort of tapped into it. Um, I, I, I think he's a phenomenal runner with the football, and I just, I, I just don't know if, if you can win with that style. I'm still trying to figure out how, in the name of God, the Baltimore Ravens lost a home game to the Chiefs. How did it? How did they? Well, they, they why, made, why, why did they? Because they fumbled on the one-yard okay. line and Lamar threw a terrible interception. And I think it was turnovers and, and, and mistakes. And they were undisciplined even though they got a really good coach and they made some dumb moves on defense. I, I just honestly think, and of course there is the superior player, the, the great player that is Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, and he put on – the kind of Jordan show where I am the best player in the league and I'm going to win a title. This might be a reach, but if you if you wanted to boil down the Fields versus Mahomes or Fields versus Caleb Williams argument, and you wanted to kind of look at it as a, a microcosm 
of what it is. The AFC Championship game was that. It was essentially Justin Fields who represents the – I'm sorry, it was Lamar Jackson who represents a Justin Fields style of quarterback yeah. versus Patrick Mahomes who is you know, more like the, the enhanced – version of Caleb Williams or who to whom he has been right, compared. Right. And you saw you saw in that game and you saw in that result why people are picking lanes that they're picking in this local debate. You know, you're getting pushback on the text line. David, you're just more comfortable with a certain kind of a quarterback. Yes. I probably am if I'm an NFL general manager. The kind of quarterback that makes everyone around him better, the kind of quarterback that is a consensus number one overall pick. And the kind of quarterback that we consider a generational talent. That's the kind of quarterback that is very easy to be comfortable with. 312-644-6767. Charlie is on the road. Hey, Charlie. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> what was that? man, I can't were you calling? I, were you calling the cows in? What Charlie, you, what was that? Yeah. I, I, I tell you what, man. I'm, I don't know what's happening anymore with, the, with what's going on with the Bears. I can't agree more. I think Justin Fields, I think he's the most athletic quarterback the Bears have ever had, period. Uh, but I don't, this is, see, this is where it comes in. Caleb Williams wants to have a cup of coffee in the big time, boys. And I don't disagree with that. I think he'd be, I think he'd fit in great with the Bears. But the last two seasons or whatever, we've seen an upward trajectory as far as our record. If we keep Justin Fields, do we see a winning record next year? And if we get rid of him, does Caleb, where's his line? Is it got to be a winning season? Or so, is it okay? Charlie, is- do you want to win a division or do you want to win a Super Bowl? It's a really good question. They, Charlie, and thanks for the phone call. They lost 10 games last year. I, I think we've all forgotten that fact. <laughs> no, we haven't. Because they came out we and they did this news conference fact. like they actually were in the playoffs. And did this you leaning, see it? This leaning, I did see the uh, the news conference. They like to sell losing but did you see, and package did you, it as, did as, you as progress. Did you see them make the playoffs? I, they did I, not make the playoffs. But they were right they there. They were close to making if, the playoffs. If only those four losses You're to open the season. You're being facetious. You wear it well. That's very good. Thank you, buddy. You're scoffing at them the way I scoffed at you. That's good. Why would you scoff at anyone? I'm not scoffing. Can't we all have our own way of looking at the But you know what? Big picture-wise, take a step back. And when you are evaluating, what is the NFL all about winning? What is is the bottom line? You have to win games. Just win, baby. There's not a lot of reason to put that all. There's no reason at all. It's not fair to put that all on Justin Fields. But the fact is that if he is traded – you're trading a guy that fell short of his potential for a lot of reasons, but he's not part of a winning organization right now. You want to start over, you hit reset, you get your rookie quarterback, you get your rookie contract, and you go from there. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I don't think anyone blames Justin Fields for the team that was around him. And, you know, certainly he played better at the end of the year than he did at the beginning of the year. I think we all understand that they, they seem to figure out more what he can and can't do. I just I think as I look at the Bears and where they're at, um, it's a really good question. Caleb Williams, let's say he comes in here. Let's say they spend some money. Let's say they get some draft picks, a couple more picks for uh, for Justin Fields. What does that team look like, and what are the expectations for the quarterback? Mm-hmm. And and that's a really good question, and it's something to consider. 
But I would say that as the team improves around him, if the defense is indeed as good as it has looked at different points, then yeah, you better be pretty damn good as a football team. That is that you want to be complete. You, you want to be in competition, and you want to be a, a complimentary football team, and not just because you're saying nice things about each other. Not that kind of compliment, but the complimentary type of team where your offense is able to take advantage of what your defense gives you in terms of field position, in terms of takeaways and turnovers. And that is what the Bears have lacked, and that is what the Bears can have if they make the right decision at quarterback this offseason. 312-644-6767. I believe we're going to talk to Bruce next. We're going to go out to uh, Arizona. We'll head to the desert. It's not really the desert. They've got some nice spots there. But we will crawl through the desert, and we will somehow get a drink of water to Bruce Levine. Hands and knees. Do that next. Mully and Hawn, the score. Bruce Levine. It's great to talk some baseball. Score Baseball Insider, covering the Cubs and White Sox for more than 30 years. Bruce Levine is a newsbreaker. Inside the Clubhouse co-host, alongside our own David Haw. We've got a lot of baseball conversation to cover. Great being with you, talking baseball. Bruce Levine. That's a really good question, Bruce. See, Bruce, that's the first hard question. With Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. Now joining us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline is Bruce Levine, CircaLasVegas.com. Bruce, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, guys. So a lot going on from the desert uh, and in Springfield. Where to today? <laughs> Which baseball oasis are you going to today, and what's the biggest news there? Well, I would say that, uh, you know, Springfield continues to be the biggest story. And, you know, I think the, the reporting uh, that's been done is pretty thorough. A lot of things that we've uh, touched on for the last few weeks here. Uh, have, have you guys, have your opinions changed at all? No. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, we heard Jerry telling Cranes um, – that the White Sox have to have a new stadium in order to compete. And he talked about how the economics of baseball have changed. And he said that, um, that at the rate, they can't generate the revenue that they need to pay those salaries. And I think the problem is, Bruce, and I've been thinking about it a lot, the point you made about Jerry as front man and are we tired of kind of his shell game going down to – you know, the whole Tampa thing and then getting the stadium built and then going down to visit the mayor in Nashville. And then he's now kind of telling you that they're not making enough revenue. Otherwise, I guess they would have been in on Otani. And, and you go back to that news conference where he's making the joke, I can tell you we're not getting in on Otani. <laughs> like, it, it's he's the wrong guy. I mean, as simple as that. And you made a good point, and I've, I kind of had to look in my soul a little bit. Am I mad at Jerry, and I don't want to hear it from him? Or um, am I being unfair about it? I, I don't like public funds for private stadiums, period, end of story. But I do think that Jerry's just the wrong guy. They need a better front man. I don't understand. Shouldn't they have, like, a team president? I'm not saying that, that Kenny would have done a better job with that. But, I, you know, I thought maybe they'd hire Kim Ng or they'd do something where there would be a person fronting this organization and this move that you didn't, you know, immediately find kind of uh, 
you know, this just with the history and the rest of it, and, and you just wonder about the motivation. D- don't threaten me with the team leaving Chicago because you want to yeah. do no, that. I, I, I'm with you, Mike. I, I, I think that Jerry would be better served having someone else working for him that, you know, a, a front guy, you know, a, a John McDonough type. Sure. You know, somebody, somebody that, uh, you know, I mean, John obviously, uh, you know, left under certain circumstances and weren't great. But for 30 years of his career, you know, he was considered the top marketing person in the in the in the uh, city and well liked by everyone. Tough guy, but still also a very smart guy. Yeah, I th- I think you're right. Uh, probably someone else would better represent that and get maybe more funding uh, going without the pushback because. Mike, I think you do speak for a lot of White Sox fans, and that is the message from Jerry is going to create pushback because of the the shape that uh, the team is in on the field. But Bruce is getting bad advice. I think he's getting bad advice because the White Sox as an organization on the field just a few years ago were in a position to take advantage of a lot of the young talent that they had uh, gotten into the system and and developed, and they were – you know, one of the more likable teams in town. And then I think almost you could draw a line at the Tony La Russa era as the beginning of the end uh, of goodwill in town. And I just wonder, why does he insist on this idea that they need a new ballpark to create revenue to be competitive? That's a new one. And then secondly, these empty threats about leaving the city. How do you explain those at this time? Why is this still part of it? Why? It, it, because it does come across as... A very threatening tone. David, I don't think they're empty threats. I think that, that, and we talked about it before, as soon as Jerry would, let's say they don't get the stadium, okay, and the White Sox in six years are sold to a a new group, and the first thing you're going to hear out of them is, we need a new stadium. Now, will the narrative be different at that time, different group, White Sox in a different position at that time, uh, maybe a better organization with uh, a, a better minor league system. R- right now, the White Sox—excuse <clears throat> me—the White Sox are vulnerable because their organization is such a mess. Okay, if they're riding high and they've won a division, let's say we we roll this back to 2021 when they won the division, and they're considered to still have a window of winning the next two <clears throat> or three years. Would it be a different reaction to what's going on right now? Um, yeah, yeah, probably. It would be. Yeah, sell the team, Bruce, and then you'll have somebody that can, that presumably would have deep enough pockets to finance whatever or, you're going to do. Or before you ask for a billion dollars from yeah. the public, show that you're willing to invest in your own team to the extent that most owners do in big markets. Never, yeah, never I, I a mean, single look, hundred million dollar contract. Mm-hmm. So the yeah, only, the I, only know, way you're going to get one, you can get 10 of them if you get the billion. Is that it? I think we should analyze those $100 million contracts, okay? Sure. And, and I, I think the premise that you make is a good one, and that is you're not in the bidding for the best players, okay? That is, that's a good premise. How many of them work out when they make 100, but mostly 200 and 300? You know, look over, t- take a look at San Diego sometime and see how all those contracts have worked out right. and see the debt that they have going forward over the next five or six years 
of 110, 120 million before they start the season every year um, for a small market club. That that can be devastating, and it is devastating to the Padres. It would be to a lot of teams. So I, I, I do agree that they haven't been in the bidding enough for the best players. Uh, the 300 million to Harper, 300 million to Machado certainly was not enough to get them. But uh, at this point in time, bring in someone else to help you out. It, it's not it's not mm. the worst yes, thing in the world. Yes, that's the thing. Ask for help, seek it, hire the right person. Because Bruce, if there weren't yep. such a an obvious local example as a point of comparison with the Cubs and what they went through in terms of trying to seek government assistance to do what the White Sox want to do in the South Loop in Wrigleyville. And I think that's the thing. Tom Ricketts ran into one obstacle after another. And eventually they had to concede a lot of things and invest their own money. And look what happened next. It's thriving. Jerry Reinsdorf, that's not really – that's not really going to fly because it, it's not a bluff, though, David. Down the down the road, the White Sox need this new stadium. It's 30 years old. It's antiquated. It's in the wrong place. It's serviceable. I don't like taking things away from Bridgeport. I, you know, I realize the history of it, and it's great. You know, since 1910, being in Bridgeport, uh, those things are, are important. But time marches on. You need to find proper ways to monetize your franchise and uh, and bring players in. The the next owner is going to have the same situation. Might as well get it done now. Might as well bring in the $400 billion to the city. Might as well bring in the $200 million or billion dollars in new jobs. Uh, it's just, you know, uh, if, you, if you take the pushback of Jerry Reinsdorf out of it, it all makes sense. Great stuff. Thanks so much, Bruce. Appreciate it, buddy. Take care, Bruce. All right, guys. Have a great day. Saturday show. And he's right. It, it does. It does make sense, David. I mean, they do. It would be, you know, what if makes they sense? were well, if they moved into the '78 and they were to do that, then I think the Sox would be here for a very long time. There's no doubt about a, that. Yes. I mean, you're talking about a 35 but, year commitment at least with you build yes. a new ballpark there. But, but don't uh, don't expect people to build that for you. No. I'd love the idea. Yes. Who doesn't love the idea of a, a, of a new idea. stadium in the South Loop? Right. It's a good Pay idea. Pay for it, though. That's it. I want to live in a dream and, house. I want to live in a yeah. Taj Mahal. I want to live in a lot of places. I want a, I want a lake house. I want some place, a villa in France. Whatever. you got to pay for it. But you got to pay for it. And, and again, if you can't pay for it, feel free. You know, t- tap in, get what you can get, and let somebody else come in and maybe they can pay for it. It's a hard quest and, to respect I, when you don't I, invest in I, your own team. I have a problem with something you said, which I will tell you I can't wait. when we come back. Scoff and pshaw. It's, it's uh, Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to score. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. I met a guy recently who told me that he spends roughly $250,000 a month. I talked to another person recently who made $50 million at the age of 30. What do you do with that money? How do you spend it? How do you not spend it? What do you invest in? If you meet a rich person, these are questions everyone wants to know, but you're too embarrassed to ask. That's the whole premise of MoneyWise. We talk to real people who have made a significant amount of money, and we ask them all about their finances. My name's Sam Parr, and the podcast is called MoneyWise. That's one word, MoneyWise. You can find MoneyWise wherever you get your podcasts.